0: Today, here on Cincy Business Talk with Mike Roth, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer. We'll be talking to business leaders about how they have grown their businesses and people. We discuss new strategies, tactics, and philosophies which lead to positive growth in our marketplace. Our program is sponsored by Sandler Training by Roth & Associates. Each week, we'll talk with our best Cincinnati area top executives about their tools and insights. Our regular listeners will be given the edge that will help them win in a competitive environment which we live. Simple solutions to complex problems which challenge all of us are rarely correct. We will address complex problems or opportunities with appropriate solutions. If you have questions or comments, contact Mike at Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400. Now your host, Cincinnati's most experienced Sandler trainer, Mike Roth.
1: Thanks, Scott. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Mike Moore. Say hi,
0: Mike.
2: Hey, Mike. How are you? Good.
1: Thanks for coming in today. Traffic is wonderful around here in Traffic Eastgate. Traffic is
2: great. Well, the new construction is fantastic.
1: They're moving the roads around. You...
2: I—my GPS doesn't know where it's going. <laughs> Hell,
1: I, I work around here and I don't know where I'm going. Yeah, it took me I'm twelve like minutes to get on 275 an hour and a half ago is unbelievable, unbelievable. Before we get started, Mike, let me tell our, our listeners about a couple of things that are coming up here next week. We have, uh, we have a repeat show, and the the following week, on the 21st, we have uh, Mike Flannery from The Goodwill, and on the 5th of December, we have Tom Quigley, and that's going to be the only live show in December, and then start the new year off with uh, Chris Adams, who's going to talk about uh, merging two charities. He's the executive director of uh, Stepping Stones, and they Merged with another chapter earlier this this year. Let's see, on uh, November 19th, we're going to have the cold call camp. That's the last one of those for the year. That's where we teach people how to uh, get by the gatekeeper, build three scripts for the contact, and five ways so that 80% of the people who you leave voicemail for will actually return your call. Probably something you don't need to do, not in the IT world, Mike. But there might right. be someone listening who needs to do that. You do need to make reservations on the uh, the class for November 19th. And uh, for those Sandler people who are listening, the Client Appreciation Party Program this year is December 17th. That's a Wednesday afternoon from 3 to 5 p.m. Good. Let me tell everyone a little bit more about you, Mike. Uh, you started your own company when?
2: About two months ago.
1: About two months ago. After how many years in the IT business?
2: Twelve, thirteen 12, 13 years.
1: 13 years in the IT business. Yes. Ah, it must have been good years because you don't have much gray hair.
2: Right. It's just I died. <laughs> okay.
1: Mike is in the business of working with clients to help them manage their technology needs so they can get back to work in their businesses. Uh, he's been in the technology industry for more than 15 years and has had the color the opportunity to collaborate with single-owner businesses all the way up to large corporations and help them streamline their IT initiatives and provide positive ROI. If you're looking for a technology solution, Mike might be one of your uh, go-to guys. Mike has done work with IBM business partners, staffing services, automation, automated data collection, uh, network services, and hardware printer maintenance, as well as many other project solutions. Uh, Mike, in his IT role, uh, he worked as an outside salesperson, a uh, sales engineer, a hardware software engineer. Uh, he's experienced in setting up complete networks and adding items to domains, uh, backup solutions, email collaboration, phone systems, uh, and has worked with many clients on their phone and internet solutions to, s- to save them money and uh, sometimes increase bandwidth. Uh, Mike, uh, what prompted you to uh, to go out on your own in the
2: IT business? Um, I think it came to the point of that I had always done outside sales and then I've always done a lot of the technical work myself. And for the longest time, I did that and I was happy with it and I was okay with it. And, uh, what has kind of prompted me into this is I said, Hey, you know what, if I'm out here, I'm finding the business, I'm doing a lot of my own consulting work anyway, you know what, it's time to go out and, you know, be the front man in that business. I got really kind of, you know, I wanted something a little bit later on, you know, I wanted something that's going to be long lasting and I just really wanted to work for myself. Um, I'm pretty entrepreneurial, so I, you know, I don't mind taking the risk. Mm -hmm. I realize you gotta do that. And since then, you know, I really, really enjoy it. I mean, I've had a really good time with it so far, met a lot of really nice people. They were great. Um, it was something that I just really wanted to do. And I just said, you know what? I'm in a position now. I could go ahead and do it.
1: Well, that's good. Yeah. Uh, not everyone's brave
2: enough to start their own business. It was scary. It was extremely, extremely scary to make that jump. I, I, uh, I actually waited about a month, month and a half, you know, kind of was looking around to see what I wanted to do, see if there was another jobs available. Um, and then I just said, you know what? I'm just going to give it, I'm going to give it a few months, see how it does. Um, you know, see if I can even make a go of it. And so far, I mean, it's done really, really well. I'm I'm, I'm very pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But it was very, very scary.
1: Sure. Uh, did you write a business plan before you started on your own business?
2: I did not. <laughs> I actually wrote nothing. I have absolutely nothing written down about a business plan to save my life. Because uh, my whole point was I'm not going to write a business plan because I'm not sure if it's even going to take off. So I just said, you know what, I'm going to see what it does, and uh, I just sort of jumped into it with both feet blind.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. We don't talk to many entrepreneurs on the show who started off uh, so recently. Um, now that you, you've got it going, what, for two months?
2: Yeah, two, almost three.
1: Almost three months. Uh, do you think it's time to step back and, and kind of write a outline of what a strategic plan should be for the first year?
2: Well, it's going to have to happen in December. That is my goal, is because um, I'm actually gaining quickly.
1: Mm-hmm. Grainy, gaining traction in
2: the marketplace. Yeah, place. so I'm actually gaining really quickly. So now, it's really weird because now I'm having to put together, like, um, a lot of different contracts that people are asking me for, which I never had to really do before. Mm-hmm. Um, having to set up, you know, some parameters about some things and, you know, making sure that everybody understands, you know, what they're getting for the value for the service and what they're, you know, What's covered, what's not covered, you know, what's – Scope what's, of work. yep, things like that. You know, it was really kind of – I really didn't have to do that too much.
1: Mm-hmm. And then I'm When you worked in, with someone else, you worked with their contracts.
2: Yeah. And then, well, and then, too, I always developed them. I developed most of those contracts anyway. But then now that I'm into a position where, you know, the projects are getting bigger. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the scope of works are getting larger. So that's the thing is you have to say, hey, yeah, so now in December, my whole thing is to really um, take that time between, you know, Christmas and New Year's and really write out that whole plan to say, OK, this is what I want to be in the next, you know, six months, you know, nine months and a year from now. And what I want to happen and what I don't want to have happen. And then, you know, too, a lot of it is. You know, strategy of where do I want the clientele? Mm-hmm. Because before, like right now, I'm kind of picking up, you know, everybody, uh, no matter where they are, and I'm having to sort of, you know, put some parameters around, you know, how far do I really want to go? So mm-hmm. I have to kind of Is that set a distance those things, or or technology, how far it's in distance. Mm-hmm. Because you know, you get a lot of people, um, you know, like i I've got them all over Cincinnati right now, Also I can have them on one side of 275, and then. All east and then go all the way west in one day. And I could have three or four stacked up. Mm-hmm. So it gets to be a little bit, a little bit of a juggling act. Mm-hmm. Uh, round numbers. How many uh, miles a day are you driving? Um, if I'm driving on a normal day, I'm probably 60 to 100 miles a day. Okay. So you're putting some mileage in. Yeah.
1: Uh, maybe you could share with our users how you uh, found your first client.
2: Um, my first client was actually, um, some people that I know, they were like kind of my next door neighbors. They had owned a company, they own a company, um, they had found out that, uh, I was, you know, looking, uh, about getting into my own, my own business. Um, they had a company and a couple guys that they worked with. They weren't totally happy with them. They, you know, they were kind of up, you know, if uh, owns butts, you know, kind of up and down with them. They found that I wanted to do it. And uh, I had helped them with some of their stuff in the past and, uh, you know, did some work with them, you know, kind of on the side, you know, not, not a big deal. And they were like, hey, you know what, why don't we just hire you since we know you so well? Why don't we just go ahead and hire you directly and you can kind of take over from there? And then um, since then, you know, I've got a lot of uh, people that I know in the in the area and, in, you know, in different industries. And, you know, I get a lot of referrals just from those people. I mean, nothing, you know, I really have not even advertised as of yet.
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
2: Completely. Now, what I have done is, is I, I have found out that it works, is that if I'm going to a client, then what I try to do is I try to hit 10 companies or 15 companies right around that client.
1: Sure, because you're already... I'm already mine. there
2: anyway. So I'm like, hey, I just walk in, I drop the stuff off. I'm like, hey, you know what, if you're interested, let me know. I try to get their card. And then I just try to follow up, is really what I've been doing the vast majority of the time to this point. So you're not really doing the uh, standard Sandler walk in cold call? Um. Or you've no. forgotten it. I probably have forgotten it. Okay. To well, be you got to get honest. back
1: to class, you know. That's a, that, that's a great call. Uh, Mike, you started in, uh, in Sandler when you were working for somebody else. Do you remember how many years ago?
2: Uh, that had to been when I first started. So probably. 12 to 13 years ago, 14 years ago?
3: hmm hmm
2: That was the best class I took. I probably doubled my income. Honestly, I probably doubled my income after taking your classes. That's good. And you'll double it
1: again. Yeah. We're going to take a short commercial break here, and we're going to listen to Jimmy Fox talk about Tip Club. The Dip Club meeting in November is Thursday, the 20th of November. Mike, put it in your calendar. We okay. meet about approximately 20 to 30 people. We run that meeting from 7.30 in the morning to 9 a.m. Jimmy, take it away.
4: Hi, I'm Jimmy Fox of Tip Club. Tip Club is a professional networking organization whose members help each other succeed. We meet once per month and provide a forum where business-to-business professionals are able to connect with more desirable opportunities and build long-term strategic partnerships. I'm inviting Cincinnati Business Talk listeners to come to our free networking event. You'll have the opportunity to meet new people, share leads and referrals, and grow your business through strategic alliances. Membership in our Cincinnati group is open to only one person per specific trade or occupation. Business-to-business professionals only, please. We do not accept multi-level marketing or recruiting-driven memberships. This is our only group in Cincinnati. We'll meet on the third Thursday of the month from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, 4357 Ferguson Drive, Cincinnati, Ohio. To reserve a seat... Please go to www.tipclub.com and click on the Events tab at the top of the page. Then, just scroll down the list until you come to the Cincinnati event. Or you may call 800-798-0270. That's 1-800-798-0270. Thank you, and we look forward to seeing you at our next networking event.
1: This is Mike Roth. I'm back with uh, Mike Moore. Uh, if you, you as a listener have a question for Mike during the show, and we're doing the show live on Friday, the 7th of November, uh, 4 o'clock Eastern Time, uh, you can call in on 5-1... I'm sorry. You can call in on 646-595-4916. We'll be able to screen the calls during the uh, commercial breaks and. We might even be able to get one or two calls
2: on for you, Mike. Sounds good to me.
1: Good. Um, and you, you, you. During the break, you were talking about uh, Tip Club. Uh, Tip Club is uh, is different from something like a, a BNI. Uh, Tip Club is a, uh, a group that only meets once a month, one person per trade or occupation, but you don't actually have to show up. It's got an extremely strong website. And you can find the leads on the website. Hmm. Uh, not only that, but the Tip Club, it's a national organization. There are about 30 or 40 chapters, uh, actually populates the site for the city with leads that might be germane.
2: Huh. No kidding.
1: Yeah. So you, I got to spend uh, some time every week looking at the new leads that came in. Uh you know, some of them are government contracts, and I'm not terribly interested in government contracts. Right. But an IT contract in a government might be something for you. I don't know. Might be. Uh, it also allows you to go back and uh, contact all of the Tip Club premier members in town. And it also allows you to, to go backwards and contact those members who were at meetings before you joined. Hmm. So it, it's kind of like a, an interesting time machine.
2: Right. Sounds like it.
1: Yeah, and we, we turn out someplace between uh, 10 and, and 30 people on, a, on an average month. That's really uh, good. But the important part is that the tip club, not the members, do most of the filling of the room. Their other business is email marketing, and they sell lists. Yep. So they use the lists they sell for Cincinnati to promote the tip club, and they'll come up with... Uh, 10 of the 20 people that show up in the room right so that's a that's a uh, it's a big difference there's no pressure on the members to drag in all of their friends and business acquaintances right on uh, since I like it I, I agreed to sponsor it in Cincinnati uh, let's see uh, so you, you got your first client that someone because see they were someone you know you knew yes. Uh, are you getting uh, referrals and introductions?
2: I am. I'm. I'm getting a lot of referrals from uh, the actual the companies that I'm doing work with, mm-hmm. and just a lot of the people that are in the area that I've known, you know, for a while, and uh, that I knew in you know previous lifetimes with previous jobs, and uh, they're finding out about what I'm doing, and they're saying, hey, you know what? Why don't you? Um, yeah. You know, why don't you go ahead and I called this guy and I called this girl and, and they're kind of interested in this. And hey, why don't you go ahead and I told him about you and, and go ahead and give him a call. And uh, that has really worked out really well for me. Um, what I think about it, too, is I think that a lot of people like it is because, you know, yeah, I, I've done the, you know, I've been like a C-level manager before for, you know, a couple other places and I've also done the technology. So I think people realize when they talk to me that, you know, hey, it's not just about, you know, the technology and what's going on with it. It's about, um, you know, it's about, you know, what is the ROI? You know, owners and business managers and, you know, people that are out in the field, you know, when they do something, they want to know that, yeah, you know, whatever money that they're going to spend, it's going to do something for their business. It's either going to, make them more productive. It's going to enhance their their people. It's going to make their, you know, their lives easier. It's going to streamline their business models. You know, it's going to do these things where they're like, hey, you know, these are the things that we want to do all the time. So you take it and you say, hey, you know what? Yeah, you know, being in business and, and working with other smaller and larger firms, you know, these are the things that people want all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, what I have found out is when you get into kind of the 50 users and less uh, size of organizations, you know, it seems like they don't get the quality of service for IT as somebody, you know, with 150, 200, 300 users. Because mm-hmm. people just aren't going after them. They're just not. They're just very, you know, they're like, hey, you know, the budgets aren't very big and, you know, you're not going to get a big payday off them. Mm-hmm. But the reality Is, you know, yeah, you're not going to, you're not going to get a big payday, but what you are going to get is going to be the advantage of, you know, you're working directly with them. I mean, you're in there, you're meeting all the employees. You know, you're finding out, hey, you know, what are the people, what do they really want to do? I mean, sometimes they have a concept and they say, hey, we would really kind of like to do this. Or you can look at their process and say, listen, you know, hey, I know you guys have been doing this the same way for five, six years, but have you, you know, if you try to do this, um, you know, these are the advantages. You know, you're going to be able to work remotely. You know, you're going to get all of your data all synchronized across all of your platforms. You know, you're going to be able to populate things. You're going to be able to get things on your phone, on your mobile devices, you know, because everybody now, you know, it's always big. It's like bring your own device. You know, people want to bring in their iPads, their Windows tablets, their, you know, Kindles, whatever. They want all the, everything to synchronize. Mm-hmm. And what happens is, you know, when you're into a smaller company, People just don't realize, number one, hey, what am I going to do? How am I going to get it all to work? How am I going to get it all to synchronize? And then, hey, guess what? How do I make that thing secure? Like, what happens if I lose my iPad and my entire customer data is on there? You know, because, you know, some guy, yeah, or some girl, they used it. They wanted it to be more efficient, which they are. But now that all of a sudden the thing got lost, and now, you know, you do this special little hack, and, it, you know, it cracks the little code in the iPad. Hey, there's the entire company data. And people don't realize that there are things out there that are pretty inexpensive that, you know, you can input into place to say, yeah, you know what, yeah, for some reason it you, you lose it or it gets stolen or, or something bad happens to it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go ahead and, and automatically take care of that where, you know, it's not going to leave your data just wide open for everybody. So, so those you, are the things that you really want to do. So you have software that you recommend that does a remote wipe of the device. There are a ton of things you can do out there for that. A ton means? Um, I bet you probably well, there's probably about five hundred out there that do all the same thing. There's probably about ten uh that, that do it really well. Hmm. Interesting. So you do that and then you get a lot of people out there and they want to synchronize, you know, all the data across all the devices. So, you know, you want, you have somebody out in the field and, you know, they want to grab the Excel spreadsheet that's already been worked on inside the office, but now it's all up to date.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they sure. want to
2: save that, make sure it all goes back in, make sure everybody synchronizes it. And then when they open it up, hey, everything's there.
1: So are you talking about just using something like uh, Dropbox or uh,
2: OneDrive from Microsoft? Um, those are definitely some advantages you can do. Um, there's also um, like Windows Azure has a really good program as well. Um, where you basically you create like a like a basically it's a folder. Um, what I like to do is I it depends. I mean, if I get a company out there and they use a, a an Excel spreadsheet, but, you know, 10 different people use it all at the same time, you know, then you're going to want to do something a little bit more robust, which is for revision checking. Mm-hmm. So if I have it open and, you know, you don't want it to always be the last save. So I might want to open it up and say, hey, yeah, I just want to open it up and read only because I don't want to make any changes back to the system when it comes back. Because, you know, with Dropbox or those other programs, it's the last save that wins. Right. So, and you know what those things, too, is I know a lot of those don't give you those revision changes where, hey, I made a mistake on a formula. Oops, now I lost it. Well, I can't go back revisions. So a lot of folks don't know what Microsoft Azure is yet. Why don't you explain that? It is a Microsoft, what they've done is they've taken their servers... And what they've done is is they've actually made them application specific. So there's an application maybe that I want to run out there. I don't need like an entire server farm. I don't need all the other stuff. I just need it to run a certain program or a certain set of programs. So I'll go ahead and do that. i put it on my Windows Azure server. You know, I'll load whatever application that I want to do. Then I'm going to share it across, you know, my entire organization. Now from that point, now it's all web enabled. So I don't have to do anything special. I can make it web enabled. I can make sure that I can get to that data from anywhere. You know, I don't have to install a remote desktop on a, you know, my servers. I don't have to have a terminal server. I don't use, you know, TeamViewer or something like that, which you have to use with another device. You know, I can make that application. I can take that application. I can web enable it, and I can deliver it to almost any device that I want. Uh, my experience is that when you uh Share a Windows
1: machine uh, over the web to a uh, cell phone or an Android tablet. It becomes exceptionally difficult to control the uh, Windows device.
2: It does because and the, win-
1: you- the buttons get extremely small, and my fingers are much bigger.
2: Right, and it's not mobile, so you're gonna you're gonna go there. So it's not gonna kind of transition itself into a mobile device. It's you know it's not gonna be progressive. It's not gonna say. Okay, well, I'm opening up myself in an iPad or a Windows machine, so I'm going to make the screen a little different so that it fits into what I want to do. And those are all the things that you, you know, you're going to get into. Does Azure do that automatically? Nope, it does not. There is definitely some programming that you do have to put into the system, um, to say, yeah, you know what, I wanted to render it in this or I want to render it in that. And there is some, there is some protocols where you do have to kind of tweak some of the settings. But then when you kind of get them done, um, they turn out to be really well. The backups are nice because they're, you know, it's all done uh, kind of for you. And then, you know, you can do replication across the different environments. So, again, the Windows Azure is definitely something uh, that's getting better. And then, you know, of A course... A lot of
1: people, might don't understand replications.
2: Okay. Um, we, we, we remember the buzzwords <laughs> thing. Sorry. No
1: buzzwords in San
2: Luis. All right. So... If for some reason your server goes down on the Azure server, mm-hmm. uh, Microsoft is a really good way of uh, making it so then it will fail over to another Azure server. So you're not going to lose, you know, you're not going to lose connectivity. It's not going to be like, Hey, my server just went down. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm in deep trouble here. You know, that's it. You know, it, it doesn't do that. It, if one server kind of fails, it just rolls over to another server. In their environment, you really don't see what happened on the back end, um, but it, you know it lets you know. So eventually, you'll have to fix it, but it keeps you up and you're still going and, and you're fine and everything's running kind of hunky dory. Now, is Azure in the cloud or is it on your local premises? Azure is in the cloud. It is strictly cloud. It is a Microsoft cloud environment. So when you when you say
1: you'll have to do something about it, if one cloud server fails. Uh, how, how do you deal with it, even if it's rolled over to a replicated server? In
2: the well, it's probably because there's something that's broken on the application is usually what ends up happening. Um, so then you need to go in and actually fix the application. Uh, I see. I
1: see. Again, if you wanted to ask Mike a question, the number is uh, 595. No, it's not. 646. 646 area code, 595-4916. Mike, let me ask you one more question before we take a break. Sure. What is the unique marketing advantage that you have in your company?
2: Well, and that's a really good question, Mike. I'm glad you asked. Um, a lot of what I do is, again, because I was, you know, I did run divisions. I've, I've worked in, you know, the industry. I've worked with, uh, you know, business owners, C-level executives, you know, uh, vice presidents, presidents, all those people. Um, you know, I understand that, yeah, when you, when you're going to do something and you're going to spend money on, uh, technology, you know, you want to know what it is you're getting back and you have to be able to explain that to what you're going to do to these business owners and business people, because, you know, they're like, Hey, we think it should be this. And then when you say, Hey, you know what? You can do this. This is a much better way to do it. And these are the advantages. And then you can explain it to them in business terms that they understand. Then for them, they go, Oh, you want know, to really get that, you know what, that makes a lot more sense than just coming in and, you know, just just doing whatever it is that you want to do. Good. Uh, we're going to,
1: uh, again, give the phone number the correct way, 646-595-4916, and we're going to listen to a, uh, a couple of Sandler commercials. Hi, this is Mike Roth, founder of Sandler Training by Roth and Associates, the most experienced Sandler sales trainer in Cincinnati. You've heard our commercials about sales and sales management, but you haven't made the call for some reason. Maybe you're having your best year ever. Maybe you think a sales development company won't work in your industry. You're different. I wish I had a nickel for every time I heard that. Maybe you're afraid that if you called, you'd buy something. If you're happy with all your sales and profits and believe you have all the answers or simply don't see yourself investing in yourself or your people, then don't make the call. We have nothing for you. For over 20 years, we've been coaching, mentoring, business owners, and sales professionals who are serious about their careers. So if you believe that Sandler Sales Training might make you better, faster, meaner, and stronger, call me at 513-646-6523 or register for our next open house. Roth & Associates, the most experienced sales trainer in Cincinnati. You can check us at www.rothconsulting.net. This message is short and to the point. In business, you don't get paid for what you know. You get paid for what you sell. Yet many salespeople leave their skills to chance. They often think, let me think it over. They write proposals that go nowhere. They lower their price to get the order. They wind up chasing prospects through the voicemail maze. It doesn't have to be that way. The best salespeople were not born great. They learned it. I'm Mike Roth of Roth & Associates. We're famous for our expensive, difficult sales training. We're not for everyone. We build the best sales prospectors and sales negotiators on the planet. Are you in sales? Are you ready to get deadly serious about your career that feeds your family? Are you ready to make a change? Call me, Mike Roth, at 513-646-6523. Sandler's most experienced trainer in Cincinnati, 646 This is Mike Roth and Mike Moore, back again. Uh, Mike, per, perhaps you can give uh, our listeners a leadership tip from the perspective of an entrepreneurial company.
3: Hmm.
2: Leadership tip is basically make sure that every day um, you complete your paperwork because it will definitely back up on you and make sure that you do your billing at least once a week because that will back up on you too. I don't know how much of a leadership (laughs) that is, but if you like to get paid, those are the two things that will help you get paid. Oh, okay. Uh, Well, the other thing you could do is go COD. Right. (laughs) Good idea to get paid. Yeah, it, it it helps. You know, it helps to, 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 to keep going.
1: You know, or we'll, we'll farm the billing out.
2: <laughs> right. One of the two.
1: That's good. That's good. Uh, in starting this new business, perhaps you, we have a theory of operation here that uh, simple solutions to complex problems are invariably wrong. So perhaps you could share with our listeners a complex problem you stumbled into and a co- equally complex solution that you came up with that might be applicable to someone else's business.
2: Hmm. A complex problem that I ran into.
1: Now, you uh, could have run into it where you are today in your own business. You could have run into it in one of the other companies you work for.
2: Um, you, you know, a lot of the things that... A, a very complex problem that I did run into... Um, in my In my business... Even in my industry is um, a lot of people uh, were very are very nervous about time and material. Um, and the reason why I'm saying that is because, you know, they don't like to pick up that bill, that phone and get that bill. You know, they want to use their own resources to try to solve those problems. And, you know, because, you know, they don't they don't want to have to call the the person, you know, 15 to 20 times a month because, you know, then that kind of gets, you know, the bills on those can get pretty big. Um, So what I've kind of done is, you know, and I said, hey, you know what I what I do is I kind of do an average billing, you know, I try to really kind of keep that down into it. And the reason why is I give them a deep discount for that for that billing. Um, but I tell the people, and I've always told the people, and I firmly believe this is, hey, listen, if you have a person and you're paying them, you know, X number of dollars per hour, plus you're paying them, you know, the unemployment and the taxes and everything else, do you really want them to spend that time trying to solve that problem that, you know, they can call somebody like me and, fight you know, if when I do the average billing, um, It really doesn't cost them any more than what it would any other month. They kind of make the whole thing even. But I can get it done, you know, much, much, much faster. Um, It's done correctly. It's not, you know, it's not kind of penciled together and things like that. And I tell them, I'm like, look, do that, you know, yeah, spend that, because that way it's going to be a lot done. It's going to be a lot faster for you. It's going to be done correctly. And um, those are one of the things that I have found out that I, I just tell people. I'm like, look, you know, you don't need to go out here and spend all the money. But at the same time, you know, you don't want to worry about picking up the phone and saying, hey, every time I pick up that phone, I'm going to get this amount of bill plus this.
1: So you've come up with an a, algorithm for a fixed monthly building right. uh, costs for IT services. Yes.
2: And that has really helped out because, again, you know, people don't, you know, they don't mind to pick up that phone. Then I, And for them it's advantageous.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: So they say, hey, that's what we want to do. And then more of a simple problem that I've run into is I found out that a lot of people just don't take the time. Uh, and I see this in probably every single business I've ever seen. Um, they just don't take the time maybe once every couple months or once every few months to schedule time with their customers. Because there are some customers that they have not seen for, you know, a few months up to a few years. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah, the customer still paying the bill and they're still ordering the product and they're still doing everything else. But you never know until you get out there and you meet them face to face what else you're missing and what else is being left out on the table. Mm-hmm. So you go out there and, you know, hey, just schedule a, a, a quarterly meeting and just, hey, these are the things that we're going over. Hey, you know, what are you doing for this? What are you doing for that? What do you think? It is amazing if you just spend that hour per, or a couple of hours per quarter, what that will do for you. It's absolutely positively amazing. Especially the customers you want to keep. Especially, and you know what? They appreciate that. You know, and, we, we did a, a, a team report today for a,
1: a prospective client and looked at the sales teams. And one of the lowest performing areas they had was willingness to travel. Hmm. The sales team doesn't like getting on the road or getting on a plane to uh, visit either prospects or clients. That could be a serious defect. I would think so. Uh, Leaking money. Leaking money.
2: Yep. And I think if you do that, I think you'll end up being a lot better off. And customers will appreciate the fact that you're going to take the time.
1: Good. We're going to take a last commercial break here again if you have a question for Mike. The number is 646-595-4916. And let's listen to a Sandler rule today. Let's listen to Sandler Rule Number 34.
0: Hello,
5: I'm Jerry Weinberg, Sandler Training, and I'm here today to talk about Sandler Rule Number 34, which says work smart and not hard. So One of the things we need to do when we're involved in in going after a a prospect is to learn how to qualify and disqualify early on. Uh, It's been my experience, you know, having done this for many, many years, as we coach our clients, as as we train them, that they seem to spend, many of them, an incredible amount of time chasing, following up business they're never going to get. And for goodness sakes, if you're going to follow, you know, finish second, why do you even want to bother being in there? We don't get paid on experience. And frequently what happens is, uh, we, we have a prospect maybe who's on our top ten list, let's say, and we want so badly to meet them and we finally get an appointment with Mr. or Ms. Big and, and, uh, we're brought in there and uh, next thing you know, we're doing a proposal to a totally unqualified situation. And uh, maybe it's a much larger piece of business than we normally would be working with. And we wind up in Think It Overland. And next thing you know, we're following up and we're, we're making phone calls and, and we're sending emails and nothing's happening. I'll tell you what is happening is we're not prospecting because we're spending too much time with prospects we're never going to do business with. In fact, I'd like you to write that question down and kind of track it over the next several days. How much time? Do I spend following up, chasing business I'm never going to get, and how do I suffer with that? One of the ways that you can work around that is instead of going after a a large chunk of dollars, start with a smaller piece. We call it a monkey's paw. Get some dollars, maybe for an assessment, maybe for a pilot program. You'll also keep your competition out of the picture. You'll at least feel like you're making some progress, and then you can make it work better. So, again, Jerry Weinberg, Sandler rule number 34, work smart, not hard.
1: This is Mike Roth. I'm back with Mike Moore. I guess no one has an IT problem on a Friday afternoon, Mike. (laughs) Although we were a little bit delinquent in making the show terribly visible. Uh, Mike uh, what motivates you to make tough decisions
2: hmm it's a really good question Um, I think what it comes down to is really a lot of it is kind of a, a thing of what's going to be the best for the customer and what's going to be the best for the business and I kind of have to look at it and if it's if it's not going to be best for the customer, then I just have to say to them, "That's probably not the best thing to do." You know, it's just it's just not. Um, and then when it comes to the business, it's you know, what makes the most sense. I mean, there's things that I would just love to do, um, but they just don't make they just don't make good sense for the business right now. So I just and that's basically it comes down to that.
1: Mm-hmm. What kind of things? Uh- are they that you'd like to do that you don't, th- don't think make good sense for the business right now?
2: You know, I've really thought about doing a ton of, like, web marketing and email marketing. Um, but I'm kind of like I'm, I've gotten really busy, and so I'm trying to really kind of control the growth. And so, yeah, you know, it's great to go out here and have, you know, 25 customers all at one time. The problem is is that, you know, you do that, and the next thing you know you've eliminated 20 of them because you can't deal with them. And then you've started to got a bad reputation. So uh,
1: how many people do you have in your organization today? Um, I have about
2: four right now.
1: Okay. That's good for a company that just started two months ago.
2: Well, yeah. What I've done is I've done some uh, strategic partnerships with some other people. Mm-hmm. And um, so those are the things that, that have really kind of worked out for me. Because there are I just won't be able to handle it all. And then you know have some people in place that I can I can backfill that with.
1: Sure. Uh do you have a vision for where your company will be a year from today in terms of products, uh services and people?
2: Um I think the biggest thing that we're going to be getting into in the next year is going to be really heavily cloud and really heavy virtualization. And those are the two things that I really feel like are just going to keep going. Um they're probably not going to stop. I mean, I've kind of believed that, you know, the the traditional server uh, that you used to go out here and buy all the time and implement. Um, for a lot of the newer customers and, and the customers that are looking at replacing hardware, um, a lot of them are no longer are buying servers. They're just not. Um, the simple fact of the matter is that you can do, you know, with virtualization and hosting and, um, you know, the other things you can do, Hyper-V and all the other things. You can really do just a lot more now than you could. Plus two is you make those applications and those products and services, you make them available anywhere. So whether I'm sitting at my house or if I'm sitting in my office, it doesn't really matter. You know, it's, it, I'm still communicating correctly. I'm still backing up all the data. I'm still doing all the other things, but I'm just letting it handle it. And I'm not having to worry about, you know, like battery backs ups and I don't have to worry about, you know, backing up systems. I don't have to worry about a, a lot of things that I had to do in the past.
1: Mm-hmm. So you, you said uh, virtualization uh, and, and Hyper-V. Could you elaborate on both of those for our, our listeners who aren't quite as IT savvy?
2: Yeah, well, basically what virtualization is doing is, let's say that I have 10 servers in my environment and I... You know, that's a lot of maintenance and a lot of overhead for just for those amount of servers. So what I do is I use a piece of software on there and I shrink it. So what I basically do is is I trick the server, the physical server, into running multiple copies of different servers on it. And it only thinks it's running the one. So it's doing that. Now, the Hyper-V is, you know, the the Hyper-V is Microsoft's version of that virtualization. And it's, it's part of their operating system. It's part of what they do. Um, they're about the one of the first guys on the block to come up with it. And then uh, a, a bunch of the other players jumped in.
1: But doesn't, uh, virtualization and Hyper-V slow down the,
2: the application processor? It does not. Not if it's done correctly. Um, in fact, you get, you know, you can get just as much speed and throughput using virtualization. It's all based on, you know, hardware. It's all based on how much RAM do you allocate, you know, how many processes you allocate. Because um, most people when they run a server, I mean honestly, they probably only use 20% to 25% of the, the capacity of the server. So really, so you can get a lot more out of that. You know, so you can do a lot more with it. Um, and I'm telling you this, a lot of the cloud technologies, you know with Office 365 is coming out with the mail, Um, you know, you're not seeing really that many people putting in, you know, their own mail servers, you know, they're doing a lot of the hosted mail servers themselves, just because the fact is it's convenient, it's cheaper, uh, it's easier to maintain. There's really almost no overhead in it. Um, it's a much better product than, than previously in the past. Uh, you
1: mentioned the mail, you meant email, right? Correct. Uh, a lot of people are beginning to feel that email is a dead medium in terms of marketing and communications uh, because, uh, A, there's too much spam. Yeah. B, there's too much email that's not spam, and it becomes difficult or impossible for people to react to the important stuff or even separate the important stuff from the critical stuff to the stuff that, gee, I really like to take a look at that, but I don't need to look at it. It's not time-dependent. time, compa- time uh, dependent. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any new technologies out there for Microsoft or other vendors to to replace email?
2: You know what? That's a really good question. Um, I think we're so used to email. We're just so ingrained with email. Um, you can do email and, and uh, you can do other forms of media. Um, you can do web media. You can do the other things, but a lot of the email... Um, I don't know. I don't think it's going to go away anytime soon. I think that we're so used to it and we're so ingrained into it. I just don't think there's anything out there that we're everybody's so used to. Everybody has it on their phones. Everybody has it on their laptops or desktops, at their house, everywhere. I have not seen anything as of yet to make that a complete replacement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One
1: of our clients... Uh suggested that there are two things out there one is called slack Mm s-l-a-c-k and the other one is a-s-a-n-a have you ever heard of
2: those no no i haven't i know that um uh microsoft has like yammer which is you know the that other thing but um well i don't know what 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 another thing is what is yammer um, I think it's just Microsoft's um, collaboration where you can collaborate on an entire company. Mm-hmm. So you can have a bunch of people and they can all collaborate in in one group conversation. I know that a lot of pe- I think that there are some companies that are looking into that. Um, yeah, I mean, email inside of a company is. A little bit harder because oh. the fact is that there's so many people doing it, but... yeah, I'm, get, you, I'm getting hit with uh, 300
1: emails that get get by the company's spam filters yep. and firewalls. Yep. Uh, and, you know, well over 100 of those are stuff that I've got to put eyeballs on. Yep. And it takes time. It does. Uh, the same way that email replaced faxing yep. to communicate and market, uh, people are wondering what the next step is
2: you know i'm um, the only thing i can think of is maybe some kind of group chat um or some kind of web chat something out there like that where you know everybody can post
3: mm-hmm. but
2: mm-hmm. i have not seen anything maybe i'm just not <laughs> that forward thinking but i just have not seen that uh come up as of yet okay well if you uh stumble into something i good. might check those two things out and see know, what those
1: are you got to call into the show on a Friday and uh, let everyone else know. I will definitely do that. Um, In growing companies, uh, there are usually three things that that CEOs uh, uh, think about. Uh, Outlook, that's your core beliefs. Mm -hmm. Desire, uh, your passion, Mike. and, And commitment to do whatever it takes to make the company succeed. Can you tell our listeners how you feel about each outlook, desire, and commitment?
2: Well, the outlook, <clears throat> um, you know, basically you have to have a really good work ethic. I mean, there's just no sans or bots. And then w- whatever you tell people, um, <clears throat> you got to make sure that, you know, tell, that's what you're going to do.
1: Tell everyone what
2: your work ethic is. My work ethic is when you are own your own company, your work ethic is a lot higher than anything because you're up late or you're up early you, you go to bed late um, you try to get as much information as you possibly can um, it is definitely a lot harder
1: how many hours a week are you putting in now
2: i bet you i put i bet you i do 16 17 hour days 16 hour days five days a week probably 5 to 6 and probably on the sick on probably on a saturday I'll do or a sunday I'll do 8 to 10 hours
3: mm.
2: and that's just getting because when you first start out there is literally so much to do it is unbelievable mm. um you, you know you're doing websites you're doing cards you're doing um all of your technology you're you're doing your chart of accounts you're doing there's just it, it's mind-boggling what you have to keep up with in the beginning. Now, as you go further along, it starts to, 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 you know, to kind of slammer down and, um, things kind of get a little bit more repetitive. But in the beginning, I know, it is you, unbelievable.
1: When you started, uh, you talked to me and you were going to talk, call the company, uh, Michael Moore Consulting. Right. And you changed the name. I tell everyone how to get a hold of you.
2: So now it's com. So it's S-I-T-E-T-E-K. Systems. And so it's just M More at, uh, so m m o o r e at site tech com. So that's S I T E T E K S Y S T E M S dot com.
1: And perhaps you, you, there are some old fashioned listeners who might want to use something like a telephone.
2: Yes. And you can call. It's 513 709 5755 is our uh, direct dial number. Good. Uh, desire. Tele- tell the, our listeners, about your passion for success? Well, my thing is, is that I have a family to take care of. <laughs> and so when you do that and, you know, you go out on your own, um, you know, this the safety net is gone. You know, it's no longer, you know, I can work for a company and, you know, hey, they're going to take care of me and, and everything else. So you really, I mean, you got to be, before you jump into it, You have really got to ask yourself, are you willing to put in the time and the effort to make it worth going after? You know what I mean? Are you really going to do it? And if for some reason you ask yourself and you say, and your answer is, I'm not sure, then do not do it. Because you will fall flat on your face and it is extremely, extremely difficult. But if you get up and you get going, I mean you but you but the, the nice thing about it is the advantage is when when you succeed, um, you succeed. I mean it is all on you. There is no safety net, there's no anything else. I mean when you make that sale or or you do that money, that is your deal and that is that is so gratifying, it's unbelievable. Mhm. And I know you, you uh you shift a little bit talked a little bit about commitment but could you tell our listeners how you feel about commitment well again with the commitment deal you, you got to be in there and you got to make it so that what you are going to have to do whatever it is to to make it succeed and that includes doing a lot of things you know that you're not used to doing it makes a lot of uh i will tell you this i am probably maybe one of the worst people when it comes to <laughs> to billing I mean, just, I, I have it there. I, I know what it is. I, I, for, for whatever reason, I'm always doing something else. I'm, I always tell myself, okay, I'll get right back to it. And, you know, a few days will go by and I won't do it. And then, then I gotta catch myself and I gotta make the commitment that says, Hey, you know what? I'm gonna get up every day. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna, you know, I probably wake up, you know, two to three hours before I even need to start working. Um, you go through, kind of look at my day, see what I got coming up. Um, you know, look through the emails, look through the logs, say, okay, well, these are things we have to do. These are things we don't have to do. Um, cause when you get out there to the customer, you know, you want to be prepared.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And you want them to know, yeah, you, you've thought about it and you've studied it. And when you walk in, that's, that's
1: it. Hmm. Uh, what's the most difficult thing you had to do as, as a new entrepreneur?
2: Um, Learned how to ask for help. Really? Yes. That was a one thing where uh, I thought, well, you know, if I'm going out here and I'm doing this, I'm doing that in my own entrepreneurial uh, spirit, um, I, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, I'm kind of one of those people that kind of a little bit of a loner when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I really had to sit down and go, okay, you know what? I don't know. I, I found out that I didn't know a lot. I found out that the things that I thought I knew and the things that I thought I understood, um, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was just one of those things. So, you know, you have to really, you have to humble yourself and you have to ask for help. And you really have to listen to those people that have been there before. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, they have been and, and you really got to listen and you really got to take notes and you really got to learn and say, okay, this is what people are going to do. And, um, that's the biggest thing, you know, you just really got to listen to what other people are doing and you have to realize that, you know what, you can't let your ego get in the way. You you cannot, you just have to say, Hey, listen, I get it. Um, if you have a better way of doing it, you know what, let's see how that works out. Mm -hmm. So it's very humbling. I mean, it really is. It's a very humbling experience. Since you're building the company from the ground up, uh, could you tell us what your vision
1: of the company culture would be?
2: Well, right now, I mean, it's I'm probably the hardest on myself more than anybody. I'm extremely hard on myself. So, I'm, you know, you know, if I'm not working in the clients, I'm working at home or I'm doing other things um, to just make it better. So, it's really kind of difficult. I mean, it's, you know, it's very you know what? You kind of enjoy yourself and you have a couple times of during the week where you kind of relax. Um, I kind of a big runner. So that is like my, uh, my downtime. But then when I find out when I'm running, I'll be sitting there and I'll be thinking about somebody else's <laughs> problems while I'm doing that as well. So it's just, it doesn't stop. You know, for right now, it just doesn't stop, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do anything else. I'd be very with you. Um, as much as, it, as hard as it is right now, and as much as you put into it, I, I wouldn't want to do anything else at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, you're running what what I would call
1: a virtual company. I am. Uh, do you have any plans in the uh, foreseeable future to hire any employees?
2: Um, you know, probably six to twelve months from now, I'll probably have to hire a, another engineer. I mean, I think that that's just going to come up. Um, basically, what it comes to the point of is I have guys that I work with and, you know, we'll trade off and we'll do some other things. But, you know, it's going to come to the point of you can only stretch yourself so far. Sure. And then and then at that point, yeah, I mean, I'll probably hire engineers. Um, probably looking just, you know, I don't know what I'm going to need at this point. But um, those are great. Sure. And... At
1: this point in time, are you providing services only or services and hardware? Services and hardware. Oh, so if someone wants a uh, a server or a laptop, uh, you can get those for them? Yes, sir. No problem at all.
2: Good. Again, Mike, if they want to contact you by phone, yes. they would do that by? 513-709-5755. And then the email is M-M-O-O-R-E at... S I T E T E K Systems or then go to the website. Go to the website. Go to the website. Ahead. Be a contact in here. Good. Did you write your own website or did you? I did. It? I did it. I did it in WordPress. Uh, okay. <laughs> technical
1: guy. Tech. Technical program. If I were to write a website, it would be in Microsoft Word. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe on the outside, uh, uh, publisher. But. Sure.
2: Whatever. Whatever makes it. Whatever makes it look good.
1: Good, Mike. I want to thank you for being on the show with us here today. Uh, I'm giving you a copy of uh, You Can't Teach a Kid to to, uh, Ride a Bike. I have seen this one. That is the original Sandler book. Uh, That's the one that uh, I twisted his arm uh, when he was still alive to actually write.
2: (sighs) This was such a great one.
1: Yeah. If anyone ever uh, asks you, uh, says they have an autographed copy. Yes. It's impossible since he died before the hardcover came out.
2: Oh, really? I did not know yeah. that.
1: And uh, I, I ordered two hundred of them at the beginning. I didn't think I'd ever get rid of two hundred of them. And I had my picture put on the back, and it has the uh, his granddaughter on the cover. Really. Eventually, I had to buy back one of the uh, 200 that I had sold for about 80 bucks. Oh, man. But it's, a, it's, a great, it's still a great book. Yes. And, uh, again, thank you for being on the show.
2: Well, thanks, Mike. Appreciate
1: uh, the
0: time. Scott, why don't you take it away? Thanks for listening. This program is the property of Sandler Training by Roth & Associates, Inc. The show may be distributed only with written permission and then only in its entirety. If you have any questions or comments, contact Mike at Mike Roth at RothConsulting.net or call Mike at 513-753-9400.